to the Uproom Frisco podcast. To learn more about your Frisco, please visit uproomfrisco.com. Turn to 2 Corinthians 3, all right? I, I want to I wanna take you guys on something that I've been doing with our students. We've been walking through a friend of mine's book uh, with our second years. It's called Discipleship Begins with Beholding, okay? Discipleship Begins with Beholding. His name's Samuel Whitfield, a good friend of mine that I ran with in Kansas City for a long time. And this has just so resonated deep within me in this season over the call to discipleship. You know, that was Jesus's last words in Matthew 28. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. You know, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. And, and, and I've been just feeling, we, we've been here now for three years and, uh, and I'm just feeling an increasing burden for discipleship, you know, and we're all leaders, whether you're influencing one or 1,000, we're all called to discipleship and to bring people into our life and to give your two cents. And the Lord promises, you give your two cents, I'll give you 20. And if you are faithful with the little, I'll give you more. And I, I feel like God wants to deepen our call to discipleship. We're discipling our kids at home. We're discipling coworkers and friends and, and after all that kind of stuff. But but what is the greatest way of discipleship? What is the greatest way of discipleship? Is it just learning new information? Is it, I mean, I think it's part of it. I think we want to grow in biblical understanding, theological understanding. We want to grow in the Bible, grow in books and things like that. But discipleship is not learning new stuff. That's just learning. Discipleship is not behavior modification. Okay, it's not, this is the way you need to act. All right. I need to stop that, stop that, do that, do that, and now you're getting discipled. It's more than just giving people new ways to live. Discipleship is being transformed into a person. And the person is Jesus. The person is Jesus. I want to tell you, discipleship isn't even acting like Jesus. It's becoming like Jesus. We need to tell quick people, what would Jesus do? I don't know what Jesus, we got to get transformed into what Jesus does. <laughs> As if that it's a work of your own ability to emulate Jesus. Though I think emulation's beautiful, but it's not final. I don't think it's the ultimate aim of God is just to us emulate him. The glorious reality of the new covenant is that we, as we've been singing this morning, are being transformed into the same image. All right. I got one amen. You got to see it with your own eyes. I'm going to give you what I believe is Paul's greatest and summarizes Paul's whole understanding of discipleship and transformation. And I really believe that God is calling us back to that. You've got it right here in your word. You got it right here on the wall. Transforming. All right. We got the word transforming. Let's look at this. Second Corinthians three. Look at verse 16. We'll start in verse 16 and then we're going to come back to this. He says this, nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Verse 17. Now the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, what's there? Liberty. Woo! Glory. Liberty. All right. Vert now. Now the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Okay. Verse 18. Oh, guys, my hope is to tease this verse out for the next 40 minutes. But we all, 
It's, co it's corporate. It's corporate. With unveiled face, the veil is taken away in Christ. Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. We are being transformed. I love this. Every phrase is absolutely stunning. Into the same image. From glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. There's a principle in Scripture called beholding becoming. That whatever you look at is what you turn into. And if you look long enough at anything, you'll turn into it. And when you, that's the very power that God's design has made us is that we're made for this reality. I love this. I felt the burden for this and I feel like God wants, what I love about this verse and Paul is, what he does in 2 Corinthians 3, he is going to take the greatest one of the greatest in the whole word of God, but the greatest Old Testament encounter, it's when God delivers Israel out of Egypt, brings them to Mount Sinai, okay? Brings them to Mount Sinai, and God descends on a whole mountain in the sight of about a million people. Okay, are y'all with me? Yeah. Oh, about a million people witnessed a mountain and saw smoke and fire and flashes of lightning, and the mountain started shaking. That ain't little. That's not little. I don't know of a time where a million people, 500 saw the ascension of Jesus. We know a handful saw the death of Jesus, but we're talking around a million people watched the glory show up on a mountain, and God's invitation was calling the nation of Israel to behold him. He was saying, I want you to see me and I want you to come in. And it was fearful, but the Lord was establishing his fear in the heart of the nation that you don't trifle with me and you don't treat this casually, that I'm coming close to you and I want you to take it serious, but I do want, to, want you to look at me. I want you to gaze on me. But we know that Israel got afraid of God and they tried to send Moses up the mountain saying, we don't want to look at him. You go talk to him. And we can get guilty of that today, that we want to send our preachers and our pastors and our worship leaders up the mountain to go talk to God, but we don't want to deal with him. We'll pay our tithe, we'll give our stuff, but we don't want to deal with God. And I feel like God's blowing that thing up because there's a warning over what happened in Sinai that you're made to gaze. That's the first thing you need to understand. Every person in this room, every person outside of this room, God has created you with what I call greedy eyes. Remember that old song, Hungry Eyes? It's probably bad, but. <laughs> I love the 80s, but anyway. <laughs> God has created us with hungry eyes. He has designed your spirit that to, to lock in on something and the power of that look is to create something in you that wants to be like the one that you see, to emulate. I mean, I'm wearing these Jordans because Michael Jordan wears them and they're cool. And somebody got them for me and they said it's cool, so I'm going to wear it. <laughs> My point is this. I mean, think about this. The whole shoe industry, the whole marketing industry is we will put athletes that will wear certain shoes 
And because Steph Curry's wearing it or LeBron James is wearing it, I want to wear it because I love that person. And I want to be like that person I love and quote unquote worship that person. And therefore, whatever they're wearing, I want to wear. Now, it's not going to make me the basketball player they are when I put my shoes on. But yet there's something about people that you love and and whatever catches your eye, you want to be like. You want to turn into you want to. It blows me away that even for political seasons, we will have, you know, politicians will get artists up there or well-known country singers or actors to come up and endorse a political figure saying they're going to be a good president. Now, the crazy thing is that actor doesn't know anything about running a government. He's an actor. He makes up everything his whole life. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a whole nother conversation. But the point is that actually emboldens our confidence in that politician if we have an actor that we love. Okay. Why? Now, that actor doesn't know anything about government, yet because of our love for the actor, we have trust because he's putting his endorsement behind that political figure. And therefore, because we trust that person and love that person, we'll endorse that political figure. What I'm talking about is the power of what happens when your eyes get open to someone and what that does and how God's designed us like this. This is how we've been designed. This is what God's made us for, is is to get our eyes open and to get lost in God. Get lost in God. I'm bringing this to God, but what I'm trying to connect you with is you're going to look at something. You're going to look at something because the grave warning of Sinai is this. They didn't gaze on God, and what did they end up gazing on? A golden calf. And we will create idols to look at if it's not satisfied in God. You must understand, it's not like just saying, it's not about say no to looking at calves. No, it's, it's, it's not about quit looking. It's not about quit looking. You can't quit looking. You were designed by God to look. You were designed by God to gaze and behold and worship. This is your, your makeup and you can't cut that off. And we've for so long turned holiness and turned disciplines. Stop it. And you're like, I can't. <laughs> and what we've got to do is poke holes in the fact that they're broken cisterns and redirect a generation to the beauty of Jesus. To the beauty, to the glory, to the splendor, to the majesty, oh, to the indescribable beauty. Jesus Christ is beautiful. You didn't hear me. He's absolutely stunning. He is the fulfillment of every longing. He's the answer to every question. He is the absolute pinnacle of the revelation of the Father. Psalm 119 says he is the consummation of all perfection. Consummation of all perfection. We can't tell a gener- we can't tell people. You know, just stop looking. No, you're saying, do you have any idea what you were made for? Do you have any idea 
how beautiful he really is? Or has religion fed you a lie? Has religion fed you a lie? Has sin fed you a lie? Has sin fed you a lie that God is boring and that God is ugly and that God is indifferent and doesn't like you? That's how most of us view God. He's ugly, boring, and doesn't like me. But I'm going to grit my teeth, put in my time, because I don't want to go to hell. Going to heaven's not even the goal. It's him. The only reason I want, come on, come on, I love it. I love it. I'm getting shoes thrown at me. I like this. It's the church I grew up in. <laughs> I don't, the only reason we want to go to heaven because he's there. <laughs> if he wasn't there, I don't want to go. It's him. It's him. It's him. He's absolutely stunning and beautiful. And we're calling people to grit their teeth and put in their time with the God they barely know. And we tried to do that. And I'm here to tell you, it's fascination that fuels transformation. Fascination fuels transformation. You get discipled through fascination. Where are my men at? Where are my married men at in here? Or we'll, we'll, we'll highlight on Shay today. Vince, what happened? The first time you saw Shay, what happened? <laughs> exactly. Look. And through the power of the eye, Vince went and whatever his story was, but it's crazy to me how you get like even a kid in college, he never takes a shower, plays PS5 for 20 hours a day. He don't care about anything. He stinks, he wears the same clothes over and over again. And then he sees her. And then he gets discipled. <laughs> then he gets discipled. <laughs> the power of beauty it's the way God's designed us I remember I saw my wife it was over she wasn't forcing me saying think about me all the time think about me talk to me I I had to I was rearranging things Wisdom even got out the door. Things just get crazy. I would work all week because we're saving for our, our, our marriage, our wedding. But then I'd get to the end. We'd get to date night. And I'd go, you know what? Let's just waste it on you tonight. Whatever you want. When, you, when your eyes get open, time goes out the door. Money goes out the door. Dreams go. It's a reorienting of priorities because of beauty. That's how God's designed us. And we're trying to talk people into this by saying it's the 20 list of disciplines. Disciplines safeguard the sacred. That's what safeguards in the midst of a world because we live in a world and we live in the midst of a real kingdom of darkness that wants to steal fascination. That's what I say. I believe that the greatest cancer or the greatest issue confronting the church is boredom. I believe it's the greatest issue. So the issue isn't, it's about us getting delivered from the thousand other broken cisterns that we drink from 
and reorienting ourselves to the fascinating splendor and beauty of Jesus. When one glimpse of this man through the word and through the spirit touches you, game over. And that's why we have date nights. I'm, we're 25, 23 years married. Why do we have, why do, why, why do we have date nights so we can and look at each other again? But the discipline is not the end. The discipline is to safeguard and create a reality for the end, which is a fresh gaze, a fresh connect. And that's what fuels fresh love. See, we try to pit disciplines over the power of beauty. No, discipline safeguard. If I don't make Thursday night at six sacred, I know a hundred things will get in the way of it. And why do I say no to a hundred other things? Because I need a fresh gaze. Are y'all with me? That's how God's designed us. But the sad fact is we slowly die on the inside and we find our other broke, we find our other places to medicate the eternal longing that was meant for God. And yeah, we want to tell you to stop it. You need to repent, break whatever that is. But even bigger than that is, do you have a clue how beautiful he is? It's the quest for beauty. It's the quest for beauty. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's why I'm in all this. I'm just a fascinated man. I absolutely love the presence of God. I love this man with all my heart and he's caught my gaze and I will build an electric fence around it. That's the power of the human heart. Can you put Matthew uh, 13, 44? Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Come on, Carissa. <laughs> All right. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, whichever, which a man found and hid. And because his pastor told him to do this, and because he knew it was the right thing to do. And for joy over it, he goes and he sells all that he has and he buys the field. Power of joy, the power of delight, the power of beauty is what motivates the heart to give the most, to sacrifice the most, to love the most. Those are byproducts of a deeper reality, it's joy. It's a revelation of the treasure, a revelation of the man that causes you to reorient. Nothing that I have compares to him. We need the revelation of Jesus Christ to touch the church again. We need light of his face to touch our inner man. Oh, what I love about this, it's not set apart for preachers. It's not set apart for people on stages. This is the glory of the new covenant. This is the glory of what's available to all of us. Because Paul's whole point in 2 Corinthians is this. Moses, at the end of his Mount Sinai experience, he gets the Ten Commandments and he comes down the mountain. Okay, Paul, this is what Paul's contrasting in 2 Corinthians. He's coming down the mountain and his face is shining. Because he had been in the glory of God. He had been in the immediate glory of God. And he's coming down and his face is shining. And because it was so bright, 
He put a veil over his face so that the Israelites couldn't look at him. And Paul is going to use that experience and, and Moses receiving the Ten Commandments and the giving of the law as something inferior to what you and I now have through the death of Jesus and the indwelling spirit. Because I ain't playing with you. The mountain's now on the inside of you. The mountain's now on the inside of you and it's not fading. See, the glory that Moses encountered touched his face and it faded. The glory that's on the inside of you touches your whole being and is ever increasing. Let's go back to that 2 Corinthians 3. Oh, this is what I got a hold of in my early days. This is what's motivated me. It's not about that. That's why you don't care about, I don't care about it. You know, and she talks about the 20 years. I, I'm looking back on my life saying, I wish I could have given more. I want to give more. I want to sacrifice more. I want to move things around. 45 years old, I want to move things around for the next 20 years for fresh glimpses of him. It's not earning it. It's just removing real estate on the inside of me for a fresh glance, for a fresh look at him. We're just ravenous people. Ugh. We're just ravenous people. We're hungry people. Greedy eyes. <laughs> hungry eyes. That's why Jesus says the eyes are the window to the soul. They are the lamp of your body. If your eyes are good, your whole body's good. Which means this, your eyes dictate the reality of your spiritual life. It, what you look at is what you become. So Paul's going to say this. Go look at verse 17. I love it. He goes, now the Lord is the spirit. Now the Lord is the spirit. Now the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Now the Holy Spirit is everywhere. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. But I want to talk to you about one specific locale that he is. Put your hand on your belly. <laughs> He has taken up residence on the inside of your spirit. You have the third person of the Trinity. If you've given your life to Jesus dwelling inside of you, you have the Shekinah flame dwelling on the inside of you. Yep, pretty cool, isn't it? You need to thank God you didn't blow up in your sleep last night. You need to thank God there's not smoke coming out of your ears right now. You're just sitting there so calm. Just so collected. Yeah, he lives in me. Hallelujah. God lives in you. God lives in you. And he actually built a structure that doesn't absolutely by his infusion into. What does it speak about the human body? He talks about this in 1 Corinthians 6. He says, the Lord is for the body. He said, the spirit is for the Lord and the Lord is for the body. And he talks about that our bodies were made and designed to contain the Holy Spirit. You have God living on the inside of you. You have the one that brooded over the deep, 
dwelling on the inside of you right now. You have the Shekinah flame that if the high priest so much had one bad dream the night before he went into the Holy of Holies would get smoked by that glory. He is now residing on the inside of you. God, not third cousin of God, God. He's as much God as Jesus is God, as Father is God. Three persons, one nature, dwelling on the inside of you. Friends, I want to call you into the glorious reality. Now the Lord is the Spirit. He said, if the ministry of death is glorious earlier, how much more will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? We're going to go deeper. And it's not by you trying harder. Christianity is not you trying harder. It's you looking at him more. Let's pull up our bootstraps. We're going to do stuff. I think we've gotten here to February, mid-February. Most of our New Year's resolutions are about done. Some of you are still holding on with pinkies. <laughs> That's what we do. I'm going to be a better Christian. There's nothing more prideful I've ever heard in my life. I'm not going to be better. As if this is up, this is a work of God in you. You got to look at him though. You got to behold. You got to behold. You got to abide. You got to pull on. You got to look. It's intentional, but it ain't you. And then Paul drops the dirty bomb on the planet. <laughs> Guys, you have the third person of the Trinity. Colossians 1.27 said, this is the mystery preached among the Gentiles. Christ in you, hope of glory. Christ in you, hope of glory. Christ in you, hope of glory. The day you were born again, I call it D-Day. Y'all remember D-Day when the, the troops hit the beaches of Normandy? Y'all remember that? World War II? That's where he got the beachhead. It's called justification. Declared righteous in the presence of God. You are innocent in the presence of God through Jesus' imputed righteousness to you. You didn't work for that or earn that. While we were still dead in our sins, Christ died for us. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. God now dwells in your spirit. That's the beachhead. And that's the place from where God releases his all-out frontal assault on not just stopping with the beaches of Normandy, but releasing a full-on assault throughout your members as God begins to transform your thought life and your emotional chemistry and your desires as God begins to work on the inside of you, righteousness, as light begins to overcome darkness, as light begins to obliterate darkness and the pockets of fear and shame and rejection and lust that you run to, as light, as you keep looking at him, light breaks in. Light overpowers your will to say no to that pornography, to say no to that illicit relationship, to say no to that substance, to say no to that thing as light fills your being. And he's not, I'm not even happy with that. I'm getting the whole body. It's called justification, sanctification, glorification. He wants all of you filled with light. Hallelujah. 
But most of us get saved. Hallelujah, it's over now. He goes, no, Paul says, 2 Corinthians 3.18, behold, we all, and this is the power that I want to get to in these last few moments. First off is I want to call you to intentionally engage. We're not mannequins. And I, don't, I say it this way all the time. God doesn't dance with mannequins. You do it, God. You do it. He goes, no, this is weird. You lead, God. Lady in red, and he just drags you around. <laughs> that shows my age or two. <laughs> we want God to do everything. He goes, no, the glory and the dignity of your life is you make choices. Look at me. And a little bit goes a long way. See, I want to call you into the power of little incremental gazes. Because most of us are all like distracted two-year-olds that can't look at him for that very long. Y'all got two-year-olds? Who got two-year-olds? Who tries to get him to look at him right in the face? Look at me. <laughs> That's what we all look like in prayer. <laughs> and God says, I see you trying to look. We get those. Two, three, four, five. <laughs> it's our prayer life. And you know what? Those little one, two, three, light touches you. Light changes you. Light's breaking in. You get mad at yourself. You beat yourself up. You're mostly frustrated. And friends, I'm giving this, this verse gives us great confidence of that being transformed into the same image from glory to glory to glory to glory. It's ever increasing as you keep looking. But the thing that I love is the fact of we all. This is a house that is built on corporate beholding. Corporate beholding. I'm telling our students, this is what we do. We are called to corporately behold, to look at him together. I love my end for years. I only saw this verse as an individual verse that helped my quiet time. But the older I'm getting and the more aware of my need for the family and my need for other people going after the same thing, the we all is starting to get bold and italicized to me. And Sunday morning isn't enough. Sunday morning isn't enough. I need Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. I need days. I got to find windows to get in the same room with the same weak and broken, distracted two-year-old praying people that do it together. Because I want to tell you, there's a dimension of fullness that's only known in corporate. There is a ceiling over my individual experience. There's a ceiling over my individual encounter, but the ceiling lifts when we do it together. That's Ephesians 3, that you would know together with all the saints, width, length, depth, the height, that you would be filled with fullness. There's fullness. Why? I need other people's gifts. I need Carissa opening up that door this morning of be enthroned, be adored. The door opened, I go through, and you know what? I'm like, I got to get back here on Monday and sing that again. Because I want to I want to partner with the Holy Spirit and seeing light invade my being. 
And every time I do that, I don't feel, I don't levitate. I ain't feeling a lot every time I do it. Most of the time I don't. But I've got faith in a verse like this that says every time I behold him, I'm being transformed. I'm being changed. Every time you look at him, a new line of computer code is written on the inside of your psyche. Written on the inside of your mind. You're starting to think different. You think different about God. You think different about you. And you think different about others. That's why usually the, the most radical things you have done is when you are partially a little intoxicated in the glory. The, get, the, the checks you wrote to people, the sacrifices you made, the people you said, forgive me. It took God weighing on you in glory. I'm really sorry. I'm an idiot. Please forgive me. That's what he does. We all, with unveiled face, Friends, if you've given your life to Jesus, the veil is removed. The veil's removed. You have no more veils. You have now the mountain on the inside of you. And you get to stare looking into him. Beholding as in a mirror. In the ancient world, mirrors were dim. They're not like our mirrors today. They were dim, rough reflections. But Paul says you can have confidence. Though it's a little, a little goes a long way. Stop despising and waiting for the next glory bomb to hit your life and enjoy the thousand little glory bombs that hit you every day. The ones that you may not even be aware of. Every time you look at him, you're changed. Do you believe that? Every time I look at him, I'm changed. I'm being transformed into the same image. Now, that's a radical statement. We're not becoming deified, but we're being transformed into him as he is getting on the inside of us. The mind of Christ is starting to think like us. We're thinking with the mind of Christ. We're feeling with the emotions of Christ. I'm wanting what Jesus wants, and I hate what Jesus hates. Psalm 45 says he loves righteousness, and he hates wickedness. Do you know it's good to hate stuff? It says, therefore, he was anointed with the oil of gladness. The happiest people are the freest people. Transformed in the same image from glory to glory to glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. All right. <laughs> this is radically transformed my life. I believe we're in the midst of a reformation in the body of Christ. And God's building gardens in the midst of local churches that are going to begin to gather and find lunch hours and evenings with families and reorient things to say, I got to do this. I got to get this. I want to put a bullseye on my chest, let a little bit more light get in me. Hey. Last week we hit the issue of, of addicts. I, I'm just a man. I went from a strung out drug addict to got put into this glory. And I have kept the same thirst and reoriented to Jesus for 25 years. And this is what you find 
is that it's subtle nature to get bored, to stray, to get off. And this is what I love is when you build a life of going after this, he is the kindest God to come up and slap you on the behind saying, come on, buddy, you're made for beauty. Why are you looking at that? Quit selling your birthright for a bowl of soup. Are, are you tired yet, Corey? Are you thirsty yet? Are you tired of sand in your mouth? When you see the little river in the, in the desert and you run out and you find sand in your mouth, are you tired of it yet? He ain't going anywhere. He's pursuing you. Just as by the Spirit of the Lord. This is another thing that I was hitting me during worship tonight. And then I want to talk to you about some practical ways to behold. Put 2 Corinthians 4.1 up here. Now, a lot of us stop there. That's powerful and we can look at this forever. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 4.1, the very next verse right after this. Therefore, that's the verse. Since we have this ministry, the ministry of the Spirit, as we've received mercy, we don't lose heart. See, this is, an ama this is something that I felt like the Lord highlighted to me to tell you today. When you give a life of beholding and becoming, you don't give up. You don't quit. We don't lose heart when it's ugly and when it's rough and when it's hard, but we stay faithful in every season because we understand a little bit of looking goes a long way. Y'all didn't hear that, but just hold on to that for a future season. All right, how do we behold? What does that look like? Hey, Corey, you talk about beholding as in a mere glory. Okay. I think we behold him. Uh, first off, I take that really serious in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, 37, where Jesus says, love me. You shall love the Lord your God with all your mind. And I believe that one of the ways that we can love God with our mind is by feeling and is by filling our minds with what the word of God says about the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. So one of my ways to behold the glory of the Lord is to take time every day to recognize the fact he's there. So I'm a big person in the room. We pace in here a lot. I usually have my hand on my belly. Why are you doing belly, Corey? Because Jesus in John 7, 37 said, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. All right, he's somewhere in there. <laughs> That's where you feel convictions usually in your gut. That's where your inner knower's at. That's where you, I don't need to be doing this. I don't need to be here. You feel it in your gut. It's because he dwells there. <laughs> so this is what I love to do. I love to recognize he's there. And this is a great way. You know, the last verse of 2 Corinthians says, the love of God, grace of Jesus, and communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Communion with the Holy Spirit. So what I love to do is put my hand on my belly and I love to picture the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of me. To picture with my mind's eye the fact the Shekinah flame is living on the inside of me. That I'm a burning bush. The fire's burning, but I'm not being consumed by it. That I'm the John 4 river springing up and John 7 river springing out. I have a river in me. It's not a hot tub, it's a geyser. It's a fire hydrant. It's just one of see walking down the street, a bunch of fire hydrants. It's just walking down the street. So we got glory. 
indescribable glory shining. That's what that Jonathan Edwards said about his mom, the Wesley brothers would say about his, their mom. Susanna Wesley would go into the uh, closet and spend an hour with the Lord and she would come out and she would shine. The boys remembered their mom shining when she came out of her prayer closet. <laughs> I want to shine. We know Psalm 34 says those who look to the Lord were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. So I love to picture Holy Spirit living in me. Glory, fire, river, you're there. And I'll just say thank you, Holy Spirit, that you dwell in me. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you dwell in me. I love you. Tell the Holy Spirit you love him. Don't shout at him. Talk to him. <laughs> Holy Spirit, I love you. I bless you. I honor you. You dwell in me. I once was your enemy, but now I'm your home. Glory. I don't want to lose y'all right now. Y'all stay with me. Stay with me. Okay? So I love to behold Holy Spirit within me. Eastern mysticism is emptying your mind of everything. What I'm talking to you about is contemplation and fellowshipping with the indwelling spirit. It's filling your mind with a person. And what I love to do mixed with this, this is something I got a hold of early, and I'm so grateful to God because it changed everything, is I mix my looking with just saying little phrases from the Bible quoting little verses of the Bible. And every time I quote a verse to him, throws a log on the fire. Throws a log on the fire. You are beautiful, Jesus. One thing I desire of Jesus, I want to behold your beauty. I want to gaze on your beauty. I want to look at you. And I want to talk to you. Jesus in John 17 says, Father, I desire, I want them to behold my glory. That's Jesus' prayer for your life. You want to know what the will of God is? You to be with him where he is and look at him. How do I look at him? You cultivate it. You cultivate eyesight. You ask for eyesalve. You ask for the spirit of revelation. You begin to take time, slow down. He's not a drive-thru. He's not a McDonald's drive-thru. He's not a fire tunnel. He's a slow relationship. And I love all of those things. Those knockoff funks for you to go do it. Those activate you to go do it. All right, all right. I behold him in the spirit. I behold him in the word. I love to read my Bible and I love when a verse gets highlighted. I love when God inspires a thought and inspires a question and inspires a truth about Jesus. We behold God in the person of Jesus. We behold God in the person of Jesus. What does that mean? Jesus is the multifaceted diamond of the Father. What does that mean? All of the fullness of the Godhead dwells in him bodily. What does that mean? Every truth of God is manifested in this five foot six Jewish man who has died, resurrected, ascended, and now his spirit lives in us. What does that mean? Let it drag you down the rabbit hole. My prayer times are, what does that mean? Well, I want an answer. I want four steps. I'm saying, go look at him and talk to him. I'm not going to give you that. You come on. The hungry come eat. 
Come on. You want it? Do you want it? You're like, no, I just want to chill and just get through another week, man. Just take it easy. Take it easy. You know what? We're living in two. There are two people fighting for your heart. God has secured it, but I want you to understand we live in a Babylonian culture that is looking to seduce, to trick, to dull, to anesthetize, to medicate your heart with a thousand other things. And by God, I refuse to let that flame die. I refuse. I'm going to do my part. He'll do his part. He'll slap me and say, come on, buddy, let's get going. But I'm going to reach for everything inside of me, saying I refuse to let my spirit get seduced or dulled or drowned out with a thousand things. We're in a fight for our heart. And that won't casually happen. All right, amen, it's 12. We behold him in the spirit. We behold him in the word. We behold him when we sing. Singing is beholding. Singing opens your spirit to God. I love to behold Jesus in your face. That's why we come together. I love beholding him. I love beholding him in his people. That's why the power of corporate. I love Carissa. I love, I love all of you. I love Stacy. She shines with Jesus and she We don't talk that much, but we don't need to. Her very countenance encourages me. It strengthens me. It makes me happy. It strengthens me. And and, and we don't talk that much, but it's her. I'm beholding the beauty of God in her. (laughs) And she's a word to me and she don't talk that much to me. Hallelujah. Let's shine. Let's shine. Let's shine. Let's. All right, let's stand. (laughs) Let's stand and we'll shine. (laughs) It's what he wanted in the garden, it's what he wanted on the mountain. It's what he wanted on the cross beams, just a heart that is fully in love. It's what he wanted in the garden. It's what he wanted on the mountain. It's what he wanted on the cross beams, just a heart that is fully in love. All right, lift your hands. I'm going to pray for you, then we're going to release you. And if you got broken cisterns in your life you keep drinking from, stop it. <laughs> stop it. Are you tired yet? Are you tired of sand in your mouth? Are you tired in something that promises fulfillment leaves you more empty? Are you tired yet? And I rebuke the power of every deceiving spirit. Every other voice, every seducing spirit, every broken cistern, I break the power in the name of Jesus. And I say, you were made for the fountain of living waters. You were made to drink deeply. How? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. (laughs) 
Be filled with the Holy Spirit right now. Every false idol. We trash our golden calves. We trash our golden calves. We trash the idolatry, the false worship that we've run to, the false places we've run to. We trash it in the name of Jesus. And we say, Jesus, I was made by you and I was made for you. And I'll only be satisfied in you. I ask you to mark this house afresh. God, fill the prayer room through the week. And, but God, I pray, fill our homes through our weeks and just let it fill our, our lives through our week and let it just blow the top off this place, God, and usher us into a season of glory. And may we shine as lights. May we shine in Frisco, McKinney and Allen and Plano and the Colony and Louisville and Farmer's Branch and Dallas, that we would shine. as lights in the midst of a crooked world that we would shine. And they'll go, why do you shine? Because I've been beholding the beautiful God. I behold the beautiful God. Spirit of revelation, touch us afresh. Light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Fill us, I pray, in the name of Jesus. We love you, God. Uh, all right, Lord, we love you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you you're doing something. You're beautiful. And God, I just pray that you would just let wave after wave of light and glory and wind and fire. Uh, now we would start talking to you, Holy Spirit. We love you, Jesus. I bless and bless little Timmy and Susie and all the kids. Bless him, Jesus. Amen, amen. Let's just give the Lord a hand. We love you.